This is episode 373 of The Real Me and Colin, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at Bros and Smile, a gay rom-com and a little horror film that could. What is he going to think about both of those films? We'll just have to tune in and find out. This episode starts right now. What is going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Real Me and Cole in the Movie Podcast. I am your host, Chase Lee, and thank you for tuning in on this day or night or whenever you're listening to this. You guys are awesome. And speaking of you guys, if you could spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. Hey, listen, maybe there's someone out there that's looking for a movie podcast, um, or if there's some weirdo out there in your life that doesn't like movies, well... Show them this episode and maybe we can convince them to be a cinephile uh, and just love movies and the art of movies and just everything that has to do with entertainment. Uh, it, it is a great thing to admire and I love talking about it. But thank you for joining me and thank you for all of your support throughout the weeks, the years and the days and all that stuff. This is episode 373. Like I said at the top, the main topics of conversation will be over Universal's Bros, the uh, wide release gay romance uh, starring and co-written by Billy Eichner. And then I'm going to be going over Paramount's little horror film Smile, which has gotten some great reviews from Fantastic Fest. So I can't wait to talk about that because um, I love me uh, a good horror film. But yeah, anyways, those are the main topics of conversation. But before we get into all of that, I got to ask, as usual, you guys doing pretty good? Everyone doing uh, pretty chill out there? You know, it's uh, almost October. It's almost spooky season, almost Halloween season. So getting ready to watch, you know, a bunch of horror films. I, I really need to reactivate my Shudder account. Um, I'm seeing Halloween ends in a couple weeks. That's going to be really fun. Um, so, yeah, it's just um, a great time to watch some uh, some horror films or thrillers or suspense or whatever. Science fiction. You know, there's a lot of films that can... Um, uh, kind of take place for uh um halloween and so yeah i hope everyone has a great halloween season and let's let's get watching some horror films you know maybe i'll get to review a lot more for you guys but halloween ends is like the only one i have uh prospected right now uh for the for the month um so anyways uh yeah so it's almost october um the, the weeks have been good you know i haven't talked to you guys in a couple weeks um yeah just uh life is busy um, continuing to watch movies for you guys and all that stuff. Um, speaking of that, um, I actually did the virtual Fantastic Fest. Uh, I didn't go to Austin, even though I'm only three hours away. I uh, did the virtual one where you could watch it at home. And so I watched seven movies, um, A Life at the Farm, Bad City, Country, Col Country Gold, um, Deep Fear, Birdemic 3, Sea Eagle, Lynch eyes and unidentified objects. Um, I, uh, I have all those reviews on my YouTube page. I decided to not uh, do it in audio form because I did a live video and it's just kind of, it was a kind of a mess because uh, I, I rarely do live stuff anymore. I mean, this is technically live. I do it all in one take, but you know, I have like a, a preparation and stuff. This was kind of like off, off the top of my head. I just want to do something different. So if you're curious about that, you can go to my YouTube page, Real Chase Lee, and you can watch that there if you want to watch it. It's like 27 minutes long. I wouldn't recommend it. I went on a little too long, I, I, I will admit. But anyways, uh, saw, saw those seven films for the Fantastic Fest. And one of my favorite things, well, first of all, my favorite movie of that bunch was Birdemic 3. Um, if you've ever seen the first Birdemic, it is one of the worst films of all time. Just on a technical, like objectively, it is bad. Um, but like, this is the same movie, it's just in HD now, and it was super enjoyable. I just, I really wish 
um, I could just watch those movies on repeat and loop because I always find something really hilarious uh, about them. It's just, it's so bad, um, but I love it. Anyways, my favorite film that I saw actually this week, um, and this is a week where I've seen Bros, uh, Smile. I'm going to be watching Don't Worry Darling, but that will be next week. My favorite thing that I've seen thus far, um, I went back to the theater last Saturday to watch Avatar uh, in 3D. Didn't see it in the IMAX. I went to the Alamo Draft House, so it was just one of the 3D screens, but it's still beautiful to watch. Listen, I understand that like Avatar, not a lot of people like it. That's that's fair. But you can't objectively tell me that that is a bad movie. Technically, it is one of the best um, VFX production design um, animated, integrated movies I've ever seen. It's just so seamless on how a movie in 2009 can look so good, and even 13 years later, just look amazing on screen. That whole third act battle on Pandora, breathtaking. Especially in 3D, like James Cameron is the only person that I will ever allow to be like, I want to do this in 3D. I'll be like, I trust you. Because don't ever bet uh, with that man. He, he will always um, show you up and just create gold. But it was such a great theater experience. I've seen it a million times, and I love that movie. But and I understand, like, subjectively, people might be like, you know, the story didn't really work for me. It's a little cheesy. I'm not going to disagree with you. Like, James Cameron, one of his weak spots is script writing. Um, his dialogue sometimes is a little hokey. But um, just from a visual perspective, it is breathtaking. And they showed us a scene from Way of Water. And you've heard it online. It's, I, I, I'm just telling you right now, Whoever is in the running for visual effects at the uh, the Oscars, pack up and go home. James Cameron's going to come for you. He's going to he's going to uh, come like a ninja in the night. He's going to assassinate you and bury you. Like that's the scene that they showed us was like two or three minutes. It it was some of the best visual effects I've seen in years. And this it was dealing with water. And animating water is super difficult. Animating anything that has a lot of particles or movement to it is extremely difficult to make it look realistic. But oh my God, it was a scene that just blew me away. And it was just, it was outstanding. I like, I was crying. I was like, this, this is what it's like to go to the theater and experience something magical. It was, um, yeah, it was really great. So that was my favorite thing that I watched this week actually was the re-release. Um, but yeah, I, uh, a very busy week catching up on everything. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, speaking of, well, I was saying that I'm watching Don't Worry Darling this week and I am, that will be next week's episode 374. Uh, I think I'm gonna do it over Don't Worry Darling and Blonde, two movies that are very controversial, whether it be on screen or off screen. And, uh, I think that would be a great double feature to kind of tackle. So that will be next week's episode for 374. But for this week it is bros and smile, but, um, yeah, so I saw Avatar re-release. Really great. Can't wait for the sequel. It's going to make all the money in the world. That one scene, it just it blew my mind. I could not believe how good it, good it was. And then uh, also, uh, my buddy Brian uh, has a podcast called Film Fragments. Fragments. Go check it out. Um, I was guest on an episode where we talked about A24 films. Really great conversation. So if you're in the mood for that, go check that out. Film Fragments on Twitter, podcasts, all the streaming uh, stuff. Go, go search for it. It drops uh, on Friday, September 30th. So, yeah, I uh, great week, busy week. Um, and so, yeah, I uh, 
did all of that for you guys. And then, you know, like I said, I did the Fantastic Fest for, for YouTube. And uh, I have the greatest beer run on the channel as well as a mini review. It's just been a busy week uh, catching up because I, I took that week off. And then I decided to just overload myself with like 12 movies. So it's been great stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I've had I've had a blast this week. And uh, I hope everyone out there is watching movies and, and TV shows and all that stuff and just having a good time. And oh, and I forgot to mention, um, you know, each day this this past weekend when I was watching the Fantastic Fest uh, films, I had to take a break. And so I uh, would watch something kind of mindless at night to kind of calm me down. I watched Venom Let There Be Carnage. It was the first time I had seen it. It's whatever. Um, yeah, I already knew about the end credit scene uh, and everything, so it's kind of pointless now, now given what the end credit scene with No Way Home was. But um, yeah, it was whatever. Uh, and then I I started like half of Spiral, the book of Saw, because um, I love the Saw franchise. Uh, I haven't finished it yet, so I'm sure I'll report back next week. Um for next week's episode and what I thought of it. But yeah, I was watching the, those two movies, you know, I was in the mood for like spooky stuff and um, horror just cause you know, it's almost October. So that's why I watched those two, but yeah. So very, very, very busy week. I didn't even have time to watch television. I really didn't. I'm behind on the patient house of dragon. Um, what do I, Andor, uh, I still got to catch up on she Hulk. Um, you know, so uh, that will probably be all talked about next week. So it was mainly just kind of a lot of catch up for you guys. But uh, that is what's been going on. So, hey, listen, we're here to talk about bros and we're here to talk about smiles. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump into uh, our first break here. And then when we come back from our, our, our great sponsor of Movie Palette, uh, I will be talking about bros. So uh, let's roll this. Uh, let's roll Movie Palette, shall we? Hi, it's me interrupting me. And I just wanted to take a break to thank the sponsor of this review, Movie Palette. Movie Palette takes the concept of the movie poster to the next level. Movie Palette consists of stripes of colors carefully chosen by their team of artists. Every stripe represents a color of a particular scene in a movie and is put in chronological order on the canvas. There are so many movies to pick from, and it doesn't even stop there. They also have whole seasons of TV shows. I recently moved and I needed some things to put on my wall, and I was getting tired of putting up traditional movie posters and wanting something different, and Movie Palette stepped up to the plate. The movie palette that I chose was one of my favorite movies of all time, Logan. This gorgeous palette is a constant reminder of how beautiful this film is and how each scene evokes a different emotion all through its language of color, not to mention a great conversation starter. This is a unique piece to any film and TV lover's home, and I want to help you get one. Use the discount code CHASE15 for 15% off of any product on their website. Film is art, so why not display your favorite as such? That's 15% off of your order when you use the code CHASE15. And thank you to our sponsor, Movie Palette, for sponsoring this episode of the Real Me and Colin Movie Podcast. Let's not waste any more time and let's talk about Bros. What is this movie about? Two men with commitment problems attempt a relationship. Now, uh, this one is actually directed by Nicholas Stoller, who brought us um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and the five-year engagement, and he co-wrote it with Billy Eichner, who is the lead of the film. Um, and I, I don't know what the exact number is, but I believe the majority of this cast, if not all of the cast, um, is a part of the LGBT, um, LGBTQ plus community, uh, which is awesome really just representing because that's the whole central theme uh, of this uh, film. It's a gay romance. So that's really cool on their end. And so, um, yeah, so I was looking forward to this. Uh, I, I love Nicholas Stoller. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is 
not only one of the best theater experiences I've ever had in my life, people were just hooting and hollering the entire time. I remember a lot of people walked out after Jason Siegel showed his penis uh, in the opening scene. Uh, a lot of people just got up and left, and uh, I thought that was really funny. But um, yeah, that was a great theater experience. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Get him to the Greek, the offshoot movie is also pretty funny. Uh, and the five-year engagement, I haven't seen it in a while, but um, I remember kind of liking it. Uh, definitely not as impactful as Forgetting Sarah Marshall, but still a, a good little film nonetheless. But I'm glad he's coming back. Um, and of course, uh, you know, produced by Judd Apatow, you know, he brought us, you know, Crane Wreck and Bridesmaids and really kind of uh, pushing people that are the leads in the film that have also co-written it or written it and like putting them in the forefront. And that's awesome. So, um, yeah, he did it with Amy Schumer and Trainwreck and then Kristen Wiig with Bridesmaids. So, um, yeah, I was really excited to see this. I, I like uh, a good a good comedy, a good romance. Um, so why not? So I was like, let's dive right into this. So. After watching it, I like it a lot. I, I like it's a good romance film. It's a good comedy. It's a great date film to take your significant other to. I think you're gonna have a blast with it. And you know, it, it's got a sweet romance. It's got some edgy humor in it. It's got a little bit for everyone. Um, but I, I, it's definitely a, a great little movie. Um, I was laughing really hard at some points. I all teared up in certain points because it was just you know this beautiful romance that was forming before our eyes. It was just an all around good theater experience, great movie. So, uh, no complaints here. So let's kind of break it down a little bit. Nicholas Stoller to me, I, he has a really great sense of directing comedies. Like he knows how to just craft a really good story with good characters that we want to follow from beginning to end. They're very likable. They're very, uh, personable. They have charisma and, uh, you know, they, they have faults, but we still, <laughs> excuse me, we still love them. And so he's really great at crafting films centered around characters that could be could be flawed, but overall are just really fun people to kind of follow. You know, even with forgetting Sarah Marshall, Jason Siegel is going through a breakup. You know, there's something about him that is, you know, likable, um, even though he's, he's kind of going through a breakdown. It's still uh, just a, a fun little character to follow. Same here. Uh, Billy Eichner, uh, he's not looking for love. You know, he just he stumbles upon it in a club. He doesn't have to go on a dating app for it. And he meets uh, Luke McFarlane's uh, character. And they just kind of hit it off. And they go through the trials and tribulations of an adult relationship. And so you you see them have fights. You see them, um, you see them uh, love each other deeply. You see them have spats. And you see them take breaks. And... It's everything that you would expect in a romance film. And I think having a gay relationship like this in a major motion studio picture, I know that like there's a lot of independent films out there. You know, one of them, one of my favorite gay romance films of all time, Moonlight, that one, Best Picture of the Oscars. Oscars, that's the highest thing you could ever get in the, the movie industry when it comes to awards, right? But this is front loaded with so much money behind it. And I'm glad that there is something like this to be pushed out there into the mainstream, uh, into thousands and thousands of theaters. Uh, so that's really great. And I think it's a win for Nicholas Stoller. It's a win for Billy Eichner and the rest of the cast and crew. But going back to the story, it's just, it's a really great journey for this character to follow because he's in his forties. Like we're not watching someone that's like in their twenties, still trying to figure out life. Billy Eichner's character, his his life and his um, his person, his persona, it's pretty much solidified. He knows what he wants in life. He goes after his goals and he 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 just goes for it. He's not looking for anything. But when something is coming his way and kind of challenges, um, you know, his, his love a little bit, like 
that excites him. And the same with Luke McFarlane's character. I think being challenged, like he stated in the film, is exciting for him. So they are definitely uh, two different people, but they just work so well together. And it was a it was a sweet little romance. It was charming as hell. So I love the story. I love the comedic beats. Billy Eichner, to me, he's got great comedic timing. You know what's really interesting about him is that when I heard first heard about this, I was like, that's great that he's co-writing, but a lead actor... I don't know if he can do this because Billy Eichner has always been great as supporting. He just is like, he's a great supporting uh, actor. He proved me wrong with this one. The romance worked. Their chemistry is off the charts. It's just, um, like I said, he, uh, Billy Eichner is very, you know, he's a little cynical. He's got some dark uh, comedic edge to him, but he is sweet underneath all that kind of hard surface. And then Luke McFarlane's character, he's just a soft teddy bear who's still trying to figure out his path in life, but they work very well together. They're a great team. And I think that's really important for this film. If you're making any type of romance, I don't care if it's gay or straight, your two leads have to work. And their chemistry is off the charts. The relationship works. And I liked following their journey, whether it be good or bad, because I knew at the very end, like they're right for each other. They just have to find their way. And so uh, I thought the story was really great and it was written really well too. And on top of that, with the script, I thought it was very interesting with the commentary on gay history, on how uh, like gay romances throughout history have been scrubbed and not a lot of people talk about it. Like, you know, uh, romances from the Lincoln era, uh, Civil War era, um, the Great Depression. It doesn't matter. Uh, gay romances have happened all throughout history. And I thought it was really interesting on what they were bringing up in terms of like how gay history is being scrubbed. And one of the, the things in this movie is that Billy Eigner is a um, he's like a museum curator. And so he's doing like this kind of gay history, um, you know, museum to like kind of showcase some people that might have perceived uh, some people as just straight in history books. It's like, no, they were actually like, bi, they were actually a lesbian. They were actually trans. And like, that's really cool because you don't hear a lot about that. You really don't. And so I thought that was uh really cool of them to just kind of showcase that uh, gay romances have happened throughout all of time, but no one likes to talk about it because they're always demonized and, you know, people still have stigmas on it, which is so stupid. And it's just like, it's 2022, get over it. But, um, yeah, I thought that was really, really great uh, for this story. So, hey, listen, you have a lot of money and you have a big, wide, uh, wide release picture. Put stuff in that to show people like this is history. Like this is just real, you know. So uh, that was uh, something that was really nice about it. Performances. Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane have had the best chemistry of any romance I've seen this year. It's just straight up true. Um, I thought everything about them was just so adorable. And like I said, they have differences, but that's what makes a great relationship is that they kept, they kept pushing each other and challenging each other. And they, they formed this like deep loving bond and they didn't even know it because they were both were in denial. Like, I'm not really looking for this. I'm not looking for that, but they just kept hanging out. And they're just like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give him because you are someone that I, it is worth it for me to like go for. And so um, even though, they said uh, that like Luke McFarlane's character, uh, Billy Eigner, is not his type. But he realized that like this is the person I want to be with. And so it's a lot of realizations, and it's just a really sweet romance. And to their, to their credit, the comedy works really well, and the drama works really well. There are a couple of moments where it got me in the feels. 
there's a great monologue that Billy Eichner gives in the middle of the film about being confident, especially as a, a gay person in America and how, you know, he's had to fight harder for, you know, more things than other people. And just because people um, downplay him just because of his sexuality. And so that was a really great monologue. And that proved to me right there that Billy Eichner can do drama. I've never seen him before because he, you see him from Parks and Rec. You see him from other comedy shows and movies. Like he's very funny. He's quick on his feet. He does Billy on the street. But the drama really worked when Billy has time to breathe in a scene. And that's what Nicholas Stoller does very well with the direction and letting things breathe. That performance comes out and it's really magical to see because I was really glued into what he was saying with that monologue and it was really poignant stuff. There's also a couple of uh, arguments that they have that really kind of got me because like I said, it doesn't matter if it's gay or straight. If it's a good romance, I'm going to I'm going to tear up because I'm invested in these people's lives and I just want them to make it through. But yeah, there was a couple of arguments where they really kind of got into it. And I was like, this is really sad to watch. They're making, they're both making interesting points. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, how are they going to get past this? And because I, I was just that invested because their performances were so good. And then at the very end, Billy Eichner once again drops a, a nice little drama uh, bit of weight on, on the story. And it was, um, I don't know, it was just really nice. I just, it made my heart just smile. It was just so big. So, yeah, I thought the performances from the two leads were great, and you have to have that in any romance uh, for any movie to work, but it was just a very, very cute romance. So, supporting cast is great. Um, adds a lot of life and personality to the story. Uh, they pass through a lot of people in, the, in their lives, uh, whether it be at Billy Eichner's museum job or Luke McFarlane when he's out at the club and he's meeting other people. Like, this... This whole film is filled with so much great supporting cast that you really feel like you were just watching the slice of life of two people in New York City just going about their day, day to day. So I thought everyone did a pretty great job uh, with that. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's shot competently. Uh, usually with Judd Apatow films, cinematography is not, um, you know, at the forefront, right, rightfully so. I just want you to create an entertaining film uh, with whatever is at your core to work, which is in this case a romance. Um, Music is fine. Editing is fine. Um, it's it's paced out really well uh, for two hours, which is, you know, one of the shorter <laughs> uh, Judd Apatow films. Um, yeah, I, I think it doesn't overstay its welcome. Welcome, It's perfect um, in terms of execution and story. Um, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed this. I had a blast with this film. I think um, everyone can appreciate it. It's, it's universal, um, you know, to, to everyone and the themes of relationships and how people um, can love another person and just going through the ups and downs of that. Um, but I'm glad that a movie like this exists, uh, to really kind of push a gay romance and have most of the cast within that community. Um, just be at the forefront with a very expensive Hollywood motion picture. And there's a lot of movies out there, a lot of independent films that do the exact same thing. Um, and I've appreciated all of those movies, um, as well, but it is nice to kind of see them take one step further and do a film that is unabashedly honest and genuine about um, being gay in this country, being gay throughout our history, gay romances, how they're perceived by people. That's what I love about Billy and his sensibilities is that he's very upfront. He's always been upfront. He's very, he's a very brash person, and I like that. He does that same thing here with his, the script. The performance, like, 
it's just unapologetic and I love it. So yeah, it's a really great movie. Go check it out. If uh, you and your significant other want to watch something this weekend. Um, yeah, great little rom-com. And that is my review on bros. Please let me know down below what you thought of the film. I would like to know your thoughts on it. When we come back from this short little break here, we're going to be talking about smile. Is this going to be a horror film that I'm going to really enjoy or really hate and have a gigantic rant about who knows? You just have to tune in when we come back. And the one I want to talk about is Smile. Now, this one actually comes from Paramount, and it hits theaters this Friday, September 30th, if you choose to watch this film, regardless of what I'm about to say. So what is this movie about? After witnessing a bizarre and traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts to experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. So uh, that is your plot right there. Seems pretty strict straightforward you know maybe this is like some film that's just on like the boogeyman that has a, a weird smile who knows but you know i remember watching the trailer and it didn't really entice me i gotta be honest with you it reminded me of films of like the bye bye man or like some garbage horror film that's just gonna have jump scares every two seconds maybe a cat you know jumps in front of the the main character and loud music plays in the background you know those types of movies where they just don't have any effort right so wasn't really looking forward to this one. I just got to be straight up with uh, honest with you. And the other thing is, um, when I was looking up this film prior to seeing this, I noticed that the main um, actress is uh, Sozie Bacon, who is Kevin Bacon's daughter. Now, I'm not really a fan of uh, nepotism. However, if you want to be put uh, putting your your uh, daughters or sons or whatever into movies, and you're uh, related to A-list stars, you got to prove me wrong. And so I was like, okay, if you're going to lead a film, I want to see this. And it looks stupid from the trailers, uh, was not interested. And so I forced myself to see it. And before I tell you my thoughts on it, I have to give props to the marketing team of Smile. I've, I've never seen this in uh, my 30 plus years of existence on earth, but uh, on TikTok, I've really enjoyed the clips of the baseball games of ha uh, Paramount hiring Actors and actresses to sit behind home plate and have the creepy smiles uh, and advertise the movie and stuff. And I thought that was really smart. And they need, those people need to get raises. Uh, that was really cool. Super effective, super funny. And uh, I really hope it, it brings them a lot of money because I saw the movie and here's what I thought about. It. I like it. It's a good movie. And, and what's crazy is I was I was expecting the jump scares. I was expecting stupidity. I was expecting just bottom of the barrel type of filmmaking. And I got to eat crow on this one. It was it was actually really good. So um, if you were looking for a horror film to watch this horse uh, horror season, you know, October 1st is just around the corner. I think this is a great one to watch. And you know what? We've actually had a, quite a bit uh, in the past few months, and some of them are still in theaters, you know. Pearl, Barbarian, Nope. Um, we had X earlier this year. Like this year has been a really great year for horror. Um, and I'm going to add this one to the list. Uh, I think it's uh, quite good. So let's go ahead and break it down. So I got to give huge props to writer and director Parker Finn here. Never heard of this guy. And if you look him up on IMDb, he has done nothing but short films. This is his first full length feature. And my God, this man has a future 
in uh, uh, this industry. I don't care if he does horror. I don't care if he wants to try something else. It seems like he's very good at horror, so I wouldn't mind him uh, doing something else in this genre, but it's a really smart movie. And what's really great about it is the best type of horror films, and this is not anything new by any means. Smile didn't invent this. But the best type of horror films are with uh, characters experiencing trauma and horror is just kind of the backdrop. It's kind of the thing that kind of props up the story and turns it into this twisted nightmare. But deep down, these characters are facing real life things that we can all um, experience, whether it be anxiety or, or panic or fear, uh, trauma, um, depression. Like it really kind of taps into the human psyche and it has these characters kind of explore it. It's just in the kind of, like I said, horror backdrop, and it's it kind of used for entertainment. But you can find something kind of a little bit profound with it. So that's what I like about those types of horror films, and Parker Finn does a fantastic job um, kind of bringing us that. You know, our main character experienced trauma uh, while she was a kid with her mom. We get to see that in the opening scene. And then... Something happens, like I said in the uh, uh, description, and she's kind of infected with this trauma that never leaves her. And so it slowly starts to eat at her, uh, even when she goes to her therapist and she can, uh, confides in her, her fiancé in the movie. It just, it's not working. It's just constantly eating at her to where she feels like she has no control anymore. And it's going to take control of her and she might take her own life. It's terrifying her. So she has to kind of figure out how to stop this. And so um, there's a, a big swath of this movie that deals with a lot of internal character work that I really appreciated. Because I, honestly, I thought this was going to be like jump scares every five minutes, right? No, this is a really great story about someone trying to deal with their, their own trauma um, that they've experienced in the, the past is kind of like bubbling up to the surface again because they have encountered this new trauma that's unfortunately taken over them. And so it's kind of unlocking this Pandora's box of a bunch of other crap that's happened to, to them. And so they kind of have to learn to control it. And so uh, we get to see this, this journey of someone who is deteriorating before our very eyes, but we know deep down, like she, she's trying her, she's trying her hardest to, to fight it every step of the way. Um, it's a great film that really kind of showcases uh, what people might go through when dealing with trauma, whether it be in the past or present. And like I said, there's large portions of this film where we get to have our main character just talk to her fiance, talk to the therapist, and just have these genuine conversations about this uh, and even mental illness to some degree because her, her mom in the movie experienced that. That was really fascinating to me. And it all had to do with the performances that were within the scene because it all just kind of tied it together and you were super invested into the story. Like, I haven't seen a horror movie in a long time where, like, I've actually was more interested in, like, the characters in the story than, like, the actual horror elements because it was so effective that way. Um, and so there's a lot of quiet moments throughout the film, a lot of dead space and, and silence. And really, uh, Parker Finn has you focus on the character and what she's going through. And it's, it's, like I said, super effective. Now, let's get to the actual horror elements because there are some in there. Jump scares got me. Listen, I've been watching movies for a very long time. Um, I, I've been spooked several times in movies, I will fully admit. Um, I've never done like an audible gasp, but I'll do this weird thing where like I'll shift my body like 
into the back of my seat if it's like really bad and I'll just kind of sit there. Um, but this one got me a few times. So even from like a, a horror uh, standpoint, uh, Parker Finn really utilizes um, shadows and, and the cinematography and editing tricks that I've seen in horror films. And he strikes uh, he strikes in like the most random places, which is great because in the scenes that build up to the jump scare, right, there is a a great cadence to the editing where we have the main character and the main character is looking at something. And like, obviously, we're flipping back and forth. And we're like, OK, the jump scare is happening. But where and when? But what happens is that he edits the scene in such a way that you focus on the wrong thing. So he guides you in the wrong direction on purpose so he can then strike while the iron is hot and scare the living daylights out of you. And it, it, it works several times. Also, there is some imagery in here that is going to be now burned into my just cerebral, like, you know, uh, conscience now, and I can't get it out of my head. So thank you, Parker Finn, for giving me future nightmare that uh, nightmare fuel that will probably wake me up in the middle of the night four months from now. So thank you for that. But once again, super effective. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, some of the effects were practical or a great blend of that and CGI, but it was it was so well done and uh, really imaginative uh, with some of the um, uh, imagery. It got me. It was it was creepy. It was unnerving. It chilled me to my bone. But I think from a story perspective, a thematic perspective, uh, dealing with real life things that we all deal with trauma, and of course with the entertainment level, I think Parker Finn. Did a fantastic job. Now, I will say this. What really holds this movie together is the main character. Because Sosie Bacon, to me, had very big Nev Campbell energy to her throughout this entire film. And I love that. It reminded me of like the first Scream uh, quite a bit. Where when you watch Scream, like Nev Campbell is... She's a very confident. She's very cool. She's uh, uh, like a rebel. Like, you know, everyone wants to kind of be around her. And But when she's thrown into that situation with, you know, uh, uh, a killer on the loose, like it kind of preys on her because of her trauma. And she eventually has to stand up for herself and face her fears and take on this uh, mass killer. And so uh, Sosie Bacon does kind of something similar where, she is a therapist, like she's good at her job. It, it seems like she has a way of talking to people. And then she gets thrown a curveball and she has to deal with this, this trauma and she has to fight it head on. And we see that journey. Now, whether she wins or loses, I'm not going to say that because that will spoil the ending. But um, yeah, she carries the movie. Her performance is fantastic. There are several scenes where I, I fell for her so bad that I was like, I really wish someone could believe her because everything that she's saying is true because when she keeps going to people and she's like someone something's chasing me no one believes her so she has to sit there and kind of convince them uh to such a degree that i'm like man i really just want someone to believe this woman and so that kind of goes to the power of her performance it's really good so hey listen uh once again nepotism that's a no-no but if you're gonna do it you better be good. You better, you better uh, show me up. And she is just as good as her parents. So, um, uh, yeah, I hope to see more of her. Um, but her performance uh, really adds a, this emotional weight that you need for this type of storytelling. Um, and I cared about her so much in her journey that um, 
yeah, I was more intrigued with that than the actual like, you know, jump scares or whatever. But um, yeah, she, she's wonderful. Everyone else in the, the film is um, pretty good. Um, her, uh, I'm not going to say who he is because that will ruin some of the, the plot. But Kyle Gowner, uh, he's yeah, he's, he's probably my second favorite. They have a pretty great chemistry together for obvious reasons. Um, and then uh, Jesse T. Usher. Uh, we all know him from the his recent um, uh, run as A-Train, uh, pun intended, uh, on The Boys. But um, yeah, he, he's fine. He's not, you know, he's, he's actually not even in it that much. Uh, and to be quite honest with you, he kind of just drops off in the middle. Towards the end of the movie, <laughs> never hear from him again. I mean, I know, I know why he drops off, but it's just, um, it's just funny. We just never hear from him. Um, the therapist was uh, pretty good. Um, Cal Penn's in this. That's interesting. Um, very small role. Not really much to uh, talk about. Um, I think the honestly the worst one for me <laughs> was uh, she played the main character's sister. I don't know what was up with um, the, her inflections with the words, but like she lingered on every single word as if it was like her last word she was going to ever say. And it was, it was, it was a very weird kind of way to line read. So yeah, she might be the questionable one. Cause usually with these horror films, there's always like one or two people that just don't, don't really work for the rest of the ensemble. But I'm not going to I'm not going to harp on her too much because uh, everything else was so good that I'll excuse it. But that was kind of like one of the the weaker spots that I found of of the film. Um, it shot really well. Uh, I think the cinematography is really great. Once again, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, Parker utilizes a lot of uh, great uh, camera tricks and techniques and shadows and lighting to really kind of hide and misdirect us from like what's in the background and everything. And so I really appreciated that really great cinematography, um, utilizing a lot of upside down shots, uh, which is interesting because, uh, what is the upside down of a smile? It's a frown. And that's kind of the, the whole point of this movie is that, and this came from another reviewer that I saw on Twitter where they were saying that, you know, the smile represents, you know, people around us every single day that we encounter in our everyday lives where we see them smile and we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what kind of uh, pain or uh, suffering or trauma that they're going through, They but they put on a smile and they push forward. And so I thought that was an interesting way to story uh, storytell this film as well with the upside down shots. Um, yeah. Um, and you know what? For a two hour long movie, I honestly thought this would be too long. I, I actually kind of liked the length of it. There was a lot of uh, just rich thematic uh, storytelling that needed to be told and really kind of let us be with this main character um, and understand like her life a little bit better. I, I actually thought it was pretty great. This was two hours. Um, usually when I see movies like this with that time, uh, that runtime, I was like, oh no, this is going to drag on. But honestly, I, I thought it was uh, pretty well paced. So, and, and then, uh, the music and, um, sound design, I really enjoyed as well. Kind of, uh, um, disorienting, uh, with the sound design, which I, I really appreciated. Just kind of added a little bit more to the atmosphere, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, all I got to really say. I liked it quite a bit. Um, is that going to make it like a top 10 of the year, uh, situation? No, not really. But, uh, if you, Hey, listen, it's almost Halloween season, uh, almost October here. So you know what, if you're looking for something, I think this is a pretty good one. 
And that is my review of Smile. What did you think of the film? Please comment down below and let me know your thoughts. And that will do it for episode 373 of the Real Me and Colton Movie Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Next week, episode 374, will be over. Don't Worry Darling and Blonde, two films, like I said, that have caused a lot of controversy on screen and off screen. So it uh, should be a great double feature to talk about. But uh, And then uh, I don't know if I have any mini reviews uh, also sprinkled uh, throughout there, but I also need to catch up on some movies as well on the list and do a part two of the catch up. Uh, that will happen at some point. I don't know when. Um, but yeah, uh, so that is what's going on next week. But thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Real Me and Cold Movie Podcast. You guys are awesome. My name is Chase. Thank you for tuning in. Spread this around and uh, let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to. Thank you to our sponsor, Movie Palette, for sponsoring this episode. And I'll see you guys next week for another episode of this crazy podcast. Goodbye.